0: in apex north carolina stay tuned at the end of the program we will give you information on how to contact us so be sure to have a pen and paper ready today pastor rodney will be teaching from the book of judges chapter 17 and 18 so grab your bibles and follow along now with today's teaching here's pastor rodney
1: When your family's sick or there's cancer or death or whatever, tell you what, try getting your telepastor on the phone and say, would you pray for me, please? Would you pray for me? It's not going to happen. And so Micah's doing the same thing, designing his own faith, designing his own religion. Notice in chapter 18, beginning in verse 1, if you're with me, say amen. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And in those days, the tribe of the Danites was seeking an inheritance for itself to dwell in. For until that day, their inheritance among the tribes of Israel had not fallen to them. So the children of Dan sent five men of their family from their territory, men of valor from Zor and Eshtaol, which is where Samson's from, by the way, to spy out the land and search it. And they said to them, go and search a land. And so they went to the mountains of Ephraim, to the house of Micah, and they lodged there. And while they were at the house of Micah, they recognized the voice or possibly the accent or possibly even knew this guy from a previous acquaintance, but they recognized the voice of the young Levite. They turned aside and said to him, who brought you here? What are you doing in this place? What do you have here? And he said to them, thus and so Micah did for me. He's hired me and I have become his priest. And so they said to him, please inquire of God that we may know whether the journey on which we will go will be prosperous. And notice what the priest said in verse six. He said to them, go in peace. The presence of the Lord be with you on your way. Now, stop right there. Give me your attention. It sounds like the tribe of Dan had not received an inheritance when they came into the promised land, but that's not true at all. You might remember in our study, you might take a look at it later in Joshua chapter 19, when the children of Israel came into the promised land. Dan received a portion of that land that was squeezed between Ephraim in the north, Benjamin to the east, Judah to the south, and the Mediterranean Sea to the west. And so Dan was in the southern part, but they moved north. Why? because Dan couldn't drive out the Amorites who were in their land. These Amorites, they were tough, and they got tired of the warfare, and they gave up, and Dan moved north. In other words, they were trying to avoid the conflict to enjoy the comfort. We talked about that in Joshua chapter 19. And when they couldn't conquer their own land, they sent five warriors to the land that would be easy to conquer, And they came to the mountains of Ephraim, to the house of Micah. And while they were at the house of Micah, they recognized this Levite. And they said, hey, what are you doing here? And he said, Micah gave me a job. I'm the new priest. And they said, really? And he said, okay, then ask God Will our way be prosperous as we go out to find land? And he said probably in a real high priestly voice, go in peace, my children. He pluribus unum and giving them the cross sign and the the whole nine. And oh, yeah, go in peace, my children. God will be with you. Now, listen at this. This is this guy is a hireling. And this guy is telling them what they want to hear. The truth of it is God is not with them because God gave them the land where? Down south. And they were afraid of the Amorites. And so God didn't move them up north to the area of Laish, which we'll talk about in just a second. They moved on their own, not God. And he's just telling them what they want to hear. You see, these kinds of prophets only prophesy Good things because they're a hireling and they're not prophets of God. That's why they only prophesy good things. You know, I was thinking about, you know, these guys are like fortune cookies. Have you ever opened a fortune cookie and it didn't tell you anything good? They all tell you something good. You open a fortune cookie and it says today you will meet someone special in your life. It's a fortune cookie. You know, they never tell you bad things. I mean, you know, it, it, what, what if you open a fortune cookie and it said, you know, today you will meet a stalker who will have you, you know, stalking your life and you'll have to get a restraining order against them because she won't leave you alone. They should come up with unfortune cookies. As these prophets, they're, they're like fortune cookies. They always tell you what you want to hear. But they're hirelings, and a hireling will always tell the people what they want to hear versus telling them what they need to hear. Oh, go in peace. Oh, yeah, God is with you. God is not with them, and they should not go in peace. Notice in verse 7, so the five men departed and went to Laish, and they saw the people who were there and how they dwelt safely in the manner of the Sidonians, quiet and secure. There were no rulers in the land who might put them to shame for anything. They were far from the Sidonians, and they had no ties with anyone. In other words, they had no military might, no physical strength. I mean, they were just a quiet people. And then the spies came back in verse 8 to their brethren at Zorah and Eshterol. And their brethren said to them, what is your report? And so they said, Arise, let us go up against them, for we have seen the land, and indeed it is very good. Would you do nothing? Do not hesitate to go and enter to possess the land. And when you go, in verse 10, you will come to a secure people and a large land. For God has given it into your hands, a place where there is no lack of anything that is on the earth. This place, this area... Notice that. This area is a beautiful, beautiful area. This is the area of Laish. And we visited, actually, oh, she's got pictures there already. We we visited this area. You see those pictures? Those pictures were taken, actually, by a friend of mine. I I actually took a lot of pictures when I was in Israel for the first, I think, three or four days. And then I was going through my camera, and my camera asked me, did I want to reformat the disk? I didn't really understand what that meant, so I said yes and I lost all my pictures. So now I know what reformatting the disc means, and I shall never do that again. So, but these pictures, uh, a friend took these pictures, and, and this area is absolutely gorgeous. It's a beautiful area today. This picture, again, is one of the pictures that we have taken, is in the area of Tel Dan. And it's one of the three headwaters of the Jordan River. You got, I think you might have another picture there. I mean, look at that. We were walking through these areas and crossing through this very area that we're reading about right now in Laish. Right out of the ground, there's these torrents of bubbling water that that rush out, and it's these beautiful large trees and vines and, and little paths and streams, and it is an awesome, awesome place in this area of Laish. Also in this area is a gate that has been excavated in the city of Laish. And this gate comes from, it's it's actually a gated picture. There it is right there. This gate comes from Abraham's time. Isn't this fascinating? This gate comes from Abraham's time where Abraham visited the area of Lachish when the five kings of the north captured Lot. You might remember that story. They also uncovered many altars of the Danites, and that will be the picture there. Like, look at this. We were there. This is one of the original altars of the Danites. Again, very idolatrous people. So many altars because they didn't want to go to church down in Shiloh. This area is probably one of the most beautiful areas in all of Israel. This whole area, in, in, you know, the, this area of Laish is actually one of the, the, the headwaters where the, where the water comes from, actually, Mount Hermon. It melts and comes through, and then there's these these, uh, these these headwaters, these three headwaters, actually, that have all this beautiful water. This area where the Danites are dwelling is incredibly beautiful, it's an awesome, awesome area. And so you can see why even the Danites wanted to, to be in this area. Again, probably the, one of the most beautiful areas in all of Israel. And When the Danites got to this area, they found the people living quietly among themselves. And the land is good and it's unprotected. And the Danites believe this is a good city to take over. And they make it their territory. Notice in verse 11. And 600 men of, of the family of the Danites went from there, from Zor and Eshterol. Armed with weapons of war, and they went up and encamped in Kirjath Jearim in Judah. Therefore, they called the place that place to this day. There it is, west of Kirjath Jearim. And they passed from there in verse thirteen to the mountains of Ephraim, and they came to the house of Micah. And then the five men who had gone to spy out the country of Laish answered and said to the brethren, to their brethren, Do you know that there are in these houses, an ephod, household item idols, a carved image, and a molded image. Now therefore consider what you should do. And so they turned aside, and they came to the house of the young Levite man, to the house of Micah, and greeted him. The six hundred men, armed with their weapons of war, who were of the children of Dan, stood by the entrance of the gate. Then the five men who had gone to spy out the land went up. Entering there, they took the carved image, the ephod, the household idols, and the molded image. The priest stood at the entrance of the gate with the 600 men who were armed with the weapons of war. And when these went into Micah's house and took the carved image, the ephod, the household idol, idols, and the molded image, the priest said to them, what are you doing? And they said to him, be quiet and put your hand over your mouth. Now, in the Hebrew language, this means shut up. And come with us and be a father and a priest to us. It is better for you to be a priest to the household of one man or that you should be a priest to the tribe and a family in Israel. So the question they're saying, is it better for you? These 600 men of the Danites, they come to the house of Micah. And the five men came into Micah's house and they took all the gods and and, and the ephod. And they said, listen, would you rather be a priest of a household of one man or be a priest over a whole tribe and family? In other words, they're saying to him, you know what? We can give you a bigger church. Hey, today, a bigger church tomorrow. TBN, you know, we can give you more. Would you rather be over one man or over a big tribe? And then notice in verse 20, so the priest's heart was glad. Why? Because he was a hireling. And when you're a hireling, you're just out for the money. You don't, you're not out for the people. You know, the church is full of hirelings nowadays. Pastors who take positions. The church has become corporate. You know, I get resumes In email from people looking for a job, they send me a resume. And I absolutely never, ever, 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 no, not ever, do I bring someone on staff from a resume. Because the church is not an organization. The church is an organism. It is the living church of God, amen, saints? It is not an organization, when you start entertaining resumes and looking through the resumes, you know what you'll wind up with? Pastors who are hirelings. I'm not a hireling. I didn't come here for a job. When I got here, none of y'all were here. Well, maybe you were here, but I didn't know you. Nobody hired me. Nobody called me, God called me, and God has provided for me. And I'm glad about that because I'm free to do the work of the ministry without that whole attachment of the money deal and the corporate deal. Because you know what happens? Hey, if you're a hireling, the next job comes along, they're paying you a little more money, guess what? You're gone. So churches have pastors that turn over the church, you know, two and three years and taking another job somewhere and taking another job somewhere and taking another job somewhere because they're a hireling. It's a job. and You can't offer me a bigger church. I don't want to be on TBN. I don't care anything for that. God has called me here. And when God told me to leave here, then I'm gone. But until then, I'm here. Because I wasn't hired to be here. I was called to be here. And this guy is entertaining, taking another job. He was glad because they said, look, we'll make you the pastor and the minister over a big congregation. Don't you want that? And the Bible says in verse 20, he was glad and he took the ephod, the household idols and carved the image and took and the carved image and took his place among the people. And then they turned and departed and put the little ones, the livestock and the goods in front of them. And when they were a good way from the house of Micah, The men who were in the houses near, or his neighbors, Micah's house gathered together and overtook the children of Dan. And they called out to the children of Dan. So they turned around and they said to Micah, what ails you that you have gathered such a company? And so he said, you have taken away my gods, which I have made, and the priest, and you have gone. Now, isn't this absurd? You have taken away my God. How does that sound? You have taken away my gods. I mean, this is absurd. This is ridiculous. You've taken away my gods, and you've taken my rent-a-priest. <laughs> and you've gone away. Now, what more do I have? Oh, my gods are gone. And the children of, of Dan and, and, and how, verse twenty four, look at. And how can you say to me what ails you? And the children of Dan, in verse twenty five, said to him, "Do not let your voice be heard among us, lest angry men fall upon you and you lose your life." These guys, again, in the Hebrew, this means shut up, or we'll kill you. These guys like to tell people to shut up. If you notice that they just keep saying, "Shut up, or we'll kill you. Shut up, or we'll kill you." They just keep saying that. So you'll lose your life with the lives of your household. We'll kill you and your family. I know where you live, man. And then the children of Dan went their way. And when Micah saw that they were too strong for him, what did he do? He turned and he went back to his house. So the priest Packs everything up, heads out with them. Micah began to follow them and said, hey, you've taken away my gods and, and, and you've taken away my priests. And when Micah realized he couldn't do anything, he couldn't come to the defense of his gods, he went home. Again, here's the weakness of backyard religion. There is no strength in it and God is not behind it. Your religion has no power to rescue you. You must rescue it, which is ridiculous. If you serve a God that you must rescue, then why aren't you God? This is ridiculous. You see, you'll always be defending your religion. Christians, we don't defend our God. We don't defend the gospel. We preach the gospel and teach what the Bible says about God. There is a difference. You know, with C.H. Spurgeon, and I love this, someone once asked him, how do you defend the Bible, sir? And Spurgeon said, well, let me ask you a question. How do you defend a lion? He said, you open the cage and let him out. (laughs) I like that. You see, you just loose him. You don't have to defend him And we don't have to defend God. We tell people what the Bible says. You see, your own religion is powerless. And you don't want a religion that you have to defend. You want a relationship with God who defends you. Amen, saints? You see, it is God who's got your back. God's got your back. And so you want a relationship with God, not a religion. What's the difference? Religion is that which you do to please God. Relationship says, God, I understand what you have done for me. Father, I respond to that in faith and in trust and in giving my heart to you. And I enter a relationship with God. There is a difference. You're not trying to please God. You understand that God's already done it all. Now you respond to the love that he's already given. This is the difference between Christianity and every other world religion. Every other world religion says you please God and perhaps God will love you. Perhaps you will reach nirvana. Perhaps you will enter into some relationship with God. Christianity says God has done it all. Now, you simply respond to that. That is the difference between a relationship and religion. You see? So you don't want a relationship with a God that is powerless. You want a relationship with a God who is powerful. A God who has your back. And then notice in closing, in verse 27 through 31, So they took the things Micah had made, and the priest who had belonged to him, And went to Laish, to a people quiet and secure, and they struck them with the edge of the sword and burned the city with fire. And there was no deliverer because it was far from Sidon, which is actually the area of Lebanon, by the way. And they had no ties with anyone, no allies, no military help and it was in the valley that belongs to Beth-Roheb. So they built the city, and they dwelt there. And they called the name of the city Dan, after the name of Dan their father, who was born to Israel. However, the name of the city formerly was Laish. Then the children of Dan set up for themselves the carved image, and here's his name, the Levite, Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh. This guy is actually the grandson of Moses. Isn't that interesting? And his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. And so they set up for themselves Micah's carved image, which he had made, and all the time that the house of God was in Shiloh. Now, just really, really quickly, the Danites they slaughter the people of Laish and they settle there. They rena- rename the city Dan and they become terrible idolaters. And from this day, the city of Dan becomes the most prominent northern city in Israel. Over and over in the Bible, you'll see it says from Dan to Beersheba, from Dan to Beersheba. That actually had become an expression. It just simply means this from north to south or in all of Israel. That's what it means. Now, let me just close with this. Revelation chapter seven. Read this in your own time. I wanted to look at it, but we don't have time. Revelation chapter seven. We have the 12 tribes of Israel, the Jews, and these Jews are sealed during the 70 weeks of Daniel or during the great tribulation period, also known as the time of Jacob's trouble. They are sealed. 144,000 of them. And when you go down the list of the tribes there in Revelation chapter 7, you will see that there is a tribe, MIA, missing in action. Who would that be? It's the tribe of Dan. You guessed it. And it's replaced, Dan is replaced by the tribe of Manasseh. Why? Because right here in Judges chapter 18, because they were worshiping the God of this world and instead of worshiping the God who created this world, they decided to worship and serve God their way. And as a matter of fact, many Jewish scholars today believe that the Antichrist or the false Christ is going to come from the tribe of Dan. You See that? So that tells us that God won't accept any backyard religion, God won't accept any designer faith. You got to come to God the same way that God has ordained for us to come to Him from the scriptures. Now, here's the good news that was the bad news. Here's the good news I told you you need to write, write a lot of scriptures Ezekiel chapter 48, verse 1. Two and three, you will see an amazing display of the grace of God. Because when the Lord comes back to establish his kingdom, the first tribe to get land is guess who? Dan. That's amazing. So we see God's grace, even though these people were idolatrous, even though these people rejected God, even though these people had their designer faith and their backyard religion and sought to come to God on their own terms, God still yet shows mercy. God pours out mercy, and when he comes back and establishes his kingdom, he's going to give these Christ-rejecting, idolatrous people land, it tells us that we serve a mighty, awesome God. Amen, saints? A God whose grace is beyond your and my comprehension. His forgiveness, his love, his acceptance, his grace and mercy and long-suffering on his people is new every morning. It's incomprehensible how much God loves you. Incomprehensible how much grace that he pours out. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And even in the next chapter, 19, 20, and 21, should be rated R for extreme, and, and I can't underscore that enough, extreme and graphic. And might I add, perverse content. And yet God, but God. Somebody did a sermon on that one time. Two words, but God. Grace upon grace, upon grace,
0: upon grace. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293-0923 salt and light.